Hello and welcome to the Future of Australia podcast. Here I interview the entrepreneurs running the fastest growing businesses in Australia. These interviews will be around the themes of entrepreneurship, new ideas, business, innovation, capitalism and successful enterprise being the motor that will drive Australia forward. I will be telling the stories of the people who are making it possible and as they grow and strive further will become a bigger and bigger part of Australia's future. My name is Derek Stewart, your host and the founder of Future of Australia. Check us out at futureofaustralia.com to learn more, subscribe to our newsletter, get exclusive content and ensure you never miss an episode. For questions or comments, email me at derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404-689-897. Welcome to episode 11 of the Future of Australia podcast. In this episode, I interview the co-founder Jeff Jenkins along with CEO Michael Todd of One Point Health an integrated health provider which grew revenue 49% last financial year. We discuss how they both zigzagged through diverse career interests of primary school teaching and architecture before entering the world of business and podiatry. Hear how Jeff was offered to be made partner at the podiatry clinic where he was working before even graduating university. Michael was a business coach to small business owners when he was just 23. Learn how they rolled together multiple health practices into a unified and collaborative environment with a focus on making people better. This means both making their patients' health better and creating better lives for their 60-plus employees. If you are looking for a true team-based approach to podiatry, physio, chiro and more in one place, in Penrith, or Ride, New South Wales, check out onepointhealth.com.au. That's O-N-E-P-O-I-N-T-H-E-A-L-T-H.com.au. All right, so thank you, Michael and Jeff, for coming on the show. Thanks very much. Much appreciated for having us. No problems. Thanks. So, uh, Michael, so you're the current CEO of One Point Health, and uh, Jeff, you're the, the founder and a, still an owner and a, a practitioner in the business. So, can you describe briefly sort of what does One Point Health do? So, One Point Health, um, basically we, we developed One Point Health to be a real collaborative um, clinical approach to um, allied healthcare. So, previously we were... Um, I guess three separate clinics in the one one suburb and the one um, area, Greater Western Sydney, um, and we had um, two podiatry clinics and a sports medicine clinic. And we thought to ourselves, um, why not bring all those together? Um, because we know that we know that uh, clinical outcomes are improved, teamwork's improved when we um, when we have a multidisciplinary approach. I guess, um, and that's what One Point Health is. Okay, and so before that, what were you each doing? You know, what did you study? What type of jobs or industries did you work in, uh, you know, in the years and sort of decades prior? Yeah, no worries. So it's Michael here. Um, look, I I started um, wanting to be a primary school teacher actually out of school. Um, quickly found myself 
looking for a different career and I actually did the diploma in business at TAFE uh, which quickly got me into uni and I completed a Bachelor of Business in Marketing uh, with Western Sydney University. Uh, soon after that I uh, landed a job, I found a, found a liking to business obviously as a result of those degrees. Um, I found a job with a place called the Penrith Valley Economic Development Corporation. Um, that was essentially charged with improving the economy of uh, the Penrith Valley and or Penrith City. Uh, it was targeting bigger businesses actually to relocate to Penrith, creating jobs in the area. Um, you know, just sort of the council, uh, you know, council sort of funding that particular enterprise uh, that was around for five to ten years. It was it was more about creating that economy around Penrith, saying improving living, improving working options for locals. Um, and having that experience, uh, I sort of found myself doing a total U-turn and helping small businesses with the Business Enterprise Network, um, Business Enterprise Centre Network, and that just gave me such a well-rounded um, uh, array of experience for someone that was young. I started that when I was 23 years old, so being a young sort of business advisor came with its challenges. Um, I had a few side businesses in recruitment um, and also social digital media um, industries, but you know that doesn't prepare you for... Uh, for business as you know working sort of you know 60 hour weeks so yeah working with businesses was was really interesting over that eight or nine years i did it um amazing experience uh becoming you know proficient across a variety of sort of areas of business marketing hr being my specialties now but you know also finding your way around certain financial reports um knowing the numbers and yeah just i don't know sort of developing those skills with people um Found my way with Jeff. I used to play soccer with Jeff actually back in the day. He was, uh, and he'll say more about it, but he was buying into Nepean Podiatry at the time and he sort of came to me for a bit of advice on whether that was the right thing to do or not. Um, you know, the rest is sort of history since then. I ended up helping those guys, helping them create One Point Health and, yes, soon after became the CEO. Okay. So, so as you mentioned, there was a couple of interesting U-turns there. Like, so did you ever work as a school teacher or before you started, you realised it wasn't what you wanted? No, funnily enough, so during school, year 10, year 11, when you do your work experience, I was going to the local primary school with my old teacher doing, um, yeah, do, doing basically school work experience and being a primary school teacher. But no, past year 12, uh, no, did the diploma in business and that, was, that started that career that is now to this day. And that led to you both running your own businesses as well as being sort of a executive coach or business owner co advisor. Definitely, it was sort of a, taking that job at twenty three years old was sort of a bit of a baptism of fire. Um, I was yeah, technically I wasn't experienced enough to do it, but yeah, um, I guess it's that old quote of you know saying yes to an opportunity and learning how to do it later, which was sort of still applies <laughs> to my life now. And yeah, there's an element of that gut feel. Um, you know, that, that applies to the way we do things. And look, I think that's a that's a strong part that people often ignore that they should really take advantage of. And yeah, it was, it was um, a lot of learning, a lot of uh, mentoring, searching for my own network of advisors throughout, which I think is important. Um, yeah, I always have the, the sort of the mantra of middle of seven where I sort of place myself at the three and, you know, you have sort of a couple of people below you, have a couple of people above you. Those couple of people above you uh, make you strive to do better and they're doing better than you. So always keeps you motivated and consistent, whereas the people below you make you reflect positively on what you've achieved to now. So, yeah, that's always sort of been the mantra and I don't think that changed when I took that role right to now. We've, we've got uh, other businesses, other people we look at um, that, are, that are doing better than us or, or, you know, have processes we can we can learn from, but also it's important to reflect on your successes and not always, you know, take life too seriously, I guess. 
Okay, excellent. And how about you, Jeff? What was your sort of background from, you know, what did you study and, and what were you yeah. working in beforehand? Yeah, so I was actually quite um, similar to Michael in the sense that I started in a completely different field altogether. Coming out of high school, I went into um, architecture. Um, so I had really no idea, as um, I really thought most people don't come out of high school, what you're going to do long term with your life and with your career. So it was, for me, it was just kind of testing the waters, I guess, trying to find what I enjoyed, what my passions were. That lasted for about six months, um, where I changed then to PE teaching, studying PE teaching at um, the Australian College of Physical Education. Um, completed that. By the time I got to probably the end of maybe the second year, mid-third year, I really, after doing a few... Um, what they call work placements, so going out in the field and getting a bit of a hands-on experience in the schools. Um, I really felt I, I wanted to do more with people um, and directly with people. You know, having a big classroom of children in front of you is really quite rewarding when you're helping them, but um, I felt like I needed to do more one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, so from there, I progressed to um, podiatry. So I became a podiatrist, ended up studying at the University of Western Sydney for two years. I did two-year master's there. Um, had no no inkling previously of wanting to get into podiatry. Um, I actually had a foot injury myself, which um, I was a, an expiring expiring football player then, soccer football that is. Um, had a foot injury and went went to see multiple different practitioners who um, I felt didn't really help me at the time, and eventually found out. Eventually went to a podiatrist and found out a few things that um, I wanted to hear and. Yeah, I was asked a few questions about what podiatry included in terms of the career and um, you know, general job description, and it sounded great to me. So next thing you know, I'm studying podiatry. Um, two years, two years in uh, master's podiatry at University of Western Sydney. When during that time, I was um, looking for some part-time work and some hands-on experience, and I went to Nepean Podiatry. Just volunteered my time there. Um, they handed me. Handed me a part-time job, which I was very thankful for as a broke uni student. Um, and next thing you know, before I finished uni, in the probably the last two months of uni, they're offering me a 10% partnership before I even finished uni. So I think, um, yeah, I think it was a quite a crazy turnaround, to be honest. So why do you think they were offering you that partnership? They, what, what did they see in you as a uni student and an intern that would make them offer you a partnership straight out? I think. Um, I think purely work ethic. I think that's a huge, huge um, representation of the person I am. But also, if you show, if you show your quality of work and your dedication to work hard and work hard for different people and commit to people, and you know, people are taking a risk in you, and particularly young young people that cost money to hire and cost money to provide them jobs, they're taking a risk in you. So to show them that you're dedicated and you're committed to you know, the job that they offer you, in my sense, they're offering me what they call an orthotic te technician. So basically a uni student that helps finish orthotics. Um, and I remember staying back one night and I was, I was in between semester break or just, just starting a semester break. Um, and I was going away the next day for, uh, luckily, going away for a holiday. And they had a huge amount of orthotics due. And I remember staying back to about... 10.30, 11 o'clock at night when I was supposed to finish about 3.34. My car got locked in the car park and it was a bit of a crazy time. And I didn't tell anyone that, but they found out because they saw my car there the next day, the owners of the, the P&B at the time. And I think, 
I think they still talk about it now. So I think, you know, just a, a real clear dedication to your role um, and a great work ethic really takes takes you a long way and provides the opportunities and different um, chances, I guess, for you to really progress in your career. Mm, definitely. And, and so then did you buy in? So you bought in and, and became a partner and, and followed that yeah, path yeah, for a I, period of time? Um, ultimately, I did. Um, that time, as a, you know, as a young person, I think I was 25, maybe 26 at the time, um, it was really quite daunting for me because I just spent five or six years at uni um, in combination with architecture, the PE, then two-year master's at, um, for podiatry. It was quite daunting for me because you commit so long to education. Sometimes by the time you finish, you just want to be have that free feeling. You really crave that feeling of freedom after after university. So when when I got thrown the opportunity to buy into this place, into the pain podiatry at the time, it was quite overwhelming. And I went to multiple different people, Michael included, um, for advice. Advice from financial point of view, advice from you know, lifestyle point of view, career point of view. Um, and I always had a dream of moving overseas and practicing overseas, going to the UK. But I guess when these opportunities come, you weigh up the pros and cons. Um, and, yeah, it was, I guess it was really... Yeah, so I was, um, I was getting a lot of advice at the time. Um, as I said, Michael included, my parents, my brother, you know, different people in an array of different businesses, Um and it was, as I said, I wanted to live overseas at the time. But when you get these opportunities and when people recognise your hard work and you see like-minded, like-minded people um, that are also committed and hardworking, you know they're going to provide a good environment for you to succeed in your career. Um, so that was, a, that was a major factor for me. One was the recognition. So people being aware that you do work hard and your work ethic is quite high. And two is, yeah, working with people that are, who are similar in, the, in their aspirations and similar in their thought processes. Mm. And so how long did that go for? And then and what was the next step career-wise after that? So I bought into Nepean Podiatry, as I said, to about two months prior to me graduating um, my podiatry master's, um, which was an entry-level podiatry uh, master's. And then I went into practicing straight away at Nepean Podiatry. For probably about, I think about three years, maybe four years, um, before we came together and started. We actually started um, Western Sydney Sports Medicine Centre with one of our, well, I guess at the time was a competitor of ours um, called Soul Solution Podiatry. And again, this is, I think, a really good representation of the type of people I got in business with. They started throwing the idea around of, you know, why not... Want to get in, you know, get in partnership with these guys, get in bed with these guys, and see what we can do together as a, you know, working in collaboration with each other rather than competing against each other. And we had at that time the Pain Podiatry and Soul Solution Podiatry were the two biggest uh, podiatry centres in Western Sydney. Um, so again, yeah, when when that opportunity came up, um, seeing like-minded people, um, Chris Scanlon and Naomi Scanlon at the time owned uh, Soul Solution Podiatry. They were thinking something similar when we threw the thought out there. Next thing you know, we're starting Western Sydney Sports Medicine Centre. Um, and then from that, it kind of they gave birth to the idea of something even bigger. Now, at that time, we were, we were leasing 
three um, locations, the Pain Podiatry, West Sydney Sports Medicine, Soul Solution. Then we just thought it makes sense to bring everything together. All the evidence, all the clinical evidence says patient outcomes are better when you work together as a team um, in, every, in every type of business, not just health. Um, financially, it's better. It increases and improves communication pathways. So, yeah, probably about three to four years after I bought in, um, we're sitting around a table at a restaurant in Ride one night at about 7 p.m. after work, trying to nut out how we're going to make this business, how we make the business model and how it's going to work, what the goals are. And next thing you know, we're doing it, taking a big risk, closing down our current businesses, which have, you know, a combination of 35 years worth of, you know, loyalty from patients and, um, yeah, taking the risk of One Point Health. And amongst all that, you bought Ride Podiatry Centre as well, yeah, yeah, which right. is, so we also own um, One Point Health Ride, as it's now known, and during all that process, probably a little bit before One Point Health, um, yeah, Ride Podiatry Centre was acquired as well, so um, yeah, it was quite a frantic time. It's a crazy time, that's for sure. Yeah. And so then what was the first 12 months like? So you've been in the business, and then you've come up with this idea of, again, sort of horizontal integration and rolling together several complementary businesses and then once they're all together and sort of the you know as incorporated and you had your premises what was that the, the journey like in that, those first 12 months one word straight out it was tough it was really tough tough because you know financial financial um, aspects aside you know from the financial point of view just touching that quickly you know we've, we've built a very large sensory penrith here um, that penrith Penrith didn't have anything similar to what we've built um, or anything like what we've built um, currently. You know, this big, big centre where there's, you know, a true, genuine team approach to, to healthcare. So that aside, financially it was tough because we committed so much to it, but also um, bringing people together. I think people who have worked differently, um, both from a clinical aspect, from an admin aspect, from a business aspect, and then all of a sudden dumping them all in the one area and all in one location where they don't really know each other. They don't really know how they work. They don't know each other's characteristics. They don't know each other's, you know, what ticks them off, what drives them to be better. So it was really hard from a, from a human point of view. It was, it was difficult. I guess HR is, would be the, the overriding um, topic there. But it was hard. It was really hard. But we could also see people changing in a positive manner as well. We could see people starting to really enjoy working in a big team, working in this beautiful location as well in the centre of Penrith. Um, you could see people starting to thrive and really progress as you know practitioners, but also as you know our admin support staff as well. Um, so, and then you had the patients, and then you had patients, which was. Which was a huge, again, like I said before, 35 years worth of loyalty in combination, that is, from three clinics, all of a sudden we've just up and left these locations. Um, and we work heavily in a in an industry where you're working with the, the elderly, you know, the demographic, which are 60, 70 plus. And they don't like change. No one likes change at the best of time. But particularly in that demographic, that age, age bracket, it was really difficult to... Know, provide them with confidence that this is the right thing to do for both us and for, and for them. They're going to get the benefits of you know this change as well. So really tough from multiple different aspects, but also really re- quite rewarding as well. Seeing people come in, seeing 
our staff and team members come in and look at this beautiful location that we've spent you know a whole buckload of money on um seeing them work as a team seeing them progress as as i said before seeing them improve and progress as practitioners and people um, and then seeing our patients come in and give us feedback to say this is an amazing place you know some of them said the opposite thing some of them said you know what type of parking facilities you know it's too far away from where i usually park but they you know you take those little things and you try to turn them around and then turn into a positive and see how you go from there i guess yeah, and after overcoming that, obviously the, the positives were good and it worked out as your company grew 49% last financial year and made the FinReview fast starters list. So what was the, the driver behind this rapid growth? And as you grew quickly, what changed for the better and worse? Yeah, well, look, um, it was it was some accolade to get that. That was sort of a left fielder that we came across online Um you know, we, we never thought, oh, I don't even look, think we looked at the list from last year to see if we were any chance of even making the list. Um, I can't remember the number we came. It was sort of like, it was, it was in the top 40, I think, or something yeah. around that. Um, I guess the, the the driver behind that was, was our people. It's it's always the people in your team. Um, everyone works incredibly hard. I, I think, as Jeff said before, like hard work pays off. It really does. There's, there's honestly... And I don't think this place is any exception. There's no such thing as nine to five if you actually want to progress. Um, we've got such a such a good team that that multidisciplinary approach that Jeff speaks of. Now I'm a, I'm a CEO. I'm not not a practitioner by any means, and, and Jeff's uh, an expert in handling our internal education and and sort of describing how that works. But just from a from an outsider's point of view, it's been so valuable to see where the, the patient. That team approach and, and, and people feeling like they're in the right place for their careers and development um, makes it all happen. It makes it all happen. That, that 49% you, you talk about is growth. That's all That's all sort of across the board just through our, our three departments. Like we've, we've got sports medicine, obviously. We've got podiatry department. Um, we have our lab that creates the orthotics and we've also got our admin department supporting the whole operation. Um, that The growth is through our team growth. The collaborative approach, bringing in patients, getting those results faster, quicker, better results, um, using our you know technology, which relationships have obviously attracted, like the IOL to G, anti gravity treadmill, Nordboard, game ready, things like that. Our, our clinic has attracted those. Our people have attracted those. It's not not sort of any any pat on the back for us as as the CEO and director. It's more the people and the results we're getting that that attracts patients. Um, Getting those better results attracts patients, it attracts even more patients. They talk, it's all word of mouth sort of stuff, playing a, a good marketing game online. And that 49% is just through us, us bringing on more valuable team members and them adopting our approach, our culture, as people call it these days, um, our way of doing things and, and being enthusiastic, you know, and, and confident in themselves. And I think that's what we have attribute our growth to to this point. Um, it's, it's really sort of along the lines. Um, we haven't grown in you know, middle management or structure like that. You've got myself, I've got heads of department. With our, but they're all clinicians. Our directors are still mm. clinicians. They're still practising. Um, so no one's no one's sort of too big for their boots here, and I think that is the important thing. Everyone's willing to, you know, just do the basics. Everyone's willing to do the basics, and I think that is how a successful business is built. Yeah, and, and you mentioned these some of the technologies and innovative sort of things that you're doing and that being driven from the bottom up. 
Do you find that's from the, the cross-pollination of people sort of talking, obviously to, to um, related professionals, and, or what's driving these ideas and new technologies versus just doing the, the sort of the traditional way of each of their um, professions? No, you, you're spot on there. Your question's spot on. We, obviously, we, we don't look at anyone as competitors around us. I think that's sort of bad business for a business that is so multidisciplinary, you know, in its approach like ours. But even still, uh, back to my business advisor days, I never never encourage people to analyse competitors as part of their operations. I think with us, it's um, always sort of looking after our own backyard and making sure we've got it right. That'll always ensure that we're a success. So an example would be, we're, we're a business that's heavily built, you know, sort of 30% of the business is built on general practitioner referrals to our services, our suite of services. And how better to get their services than to have them come and check out your premises? You know, you can you can do all the door knocks you want and go and visit them, but you need them in your premise. And if you've got the space to bring them in, then do that. And we took that to another level by becoming accredited to uh, deliver general practitioner CPD education points each year. Now, we were able to get them in. Last year was the first time we'd done, we did that. Um, this year's, we've got two events, two weekend events later this year. Um, our team and providing the opportunity to our team members is amazing as well because they wouldn't get that anywhere else. But um, being able to run those general practitioner events brought a whole new service to what we can offer. Obviously, that's that's not a, income ge- a direct income generator that, that, that costs us money to be able to do that, but just the opportunity it provides for our team members and gets them in the door to have a look at what we do because it's it's not like a it's not a direct marketing method it's more just encouraging them to you know explore our multidisciplinary approach and the way we do things and they it's been impressive obviously to us so we can only imagine it is to them and that's paid off so much so where the technology comes as the back of that um we have surgeons that work with us too specialists and surgeons that, that work inside our premise too um sessionally and you know certain days per month and having them a part of the gp events are you know, they've got lots of connections and just the relationships we've built with those have delivered things like our Alter G anti-gravity treadmill. Like that was just, it's just fantastic to have that. Yes, we are pretty unique in having that. There's not many centres like ours around town that has us, so it's a definite point of difference. But we wouldn't have got those things if we didn't have the team I spoke of, um, being able to give these general practitioner education events. Um and the facilities we've got, you know, and the way of doing things. So that's just one way thinking outside the boxes um, has sort of delivered us point of differences to our doorstep. And, and you know, we call it luck sometimes, but I I think it's sort of making your own luck in a way because um, we have. It's hard work, obviously, to spend the time after hours to develop that new content that no one else had done before for the GP events. And that's making your own luck, surely. Hmm. And, and so a lot of these things, I think, that we're, we've covered are uh, common in the the bigger business end of town because you've almost done like a merger and acquisition and sort of a roll-up of multiple businesses. You've got economies of scale, rolling it all into one thing. You've, you've brought in a professional uh, executive management. But yeah. a lot of people don't associate that with the corner physio, the corner chiro, dietitian. Most are either sort of self-employed or maybe they work in like a hospital hospital or a very large sort of maybe university setting. Um, so how did you sort of think to, to bring those, again, in certain industries and, and the bigger mid-market and higher companies? I think those things are quite common. People always looking to, to do that. But, but then the small small business and sort of startup world is often a lot sort of separate from that and they don't operate yeah. in the, or think necessarily in the same way so so yeah. how did you combine that in that 
sort of corner, you know, again, self-employed medical professional area, yep. which most people are doing, um, and, and yeah. bring it into a big centre with a much bigger vision and more of an entrepreneurial focus. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't think... Um I don't think people should be afraid. I think Michael touched on it before, afraid about their competitor. You know, our business partners now who are amazing, they were our direct competitors at one point. Now, at, and we just went out there, had a, had a conversation with them, and next thing you know, we're, you know, we're, we're conjoining together and we're creating this amazing facility and this amazing team. Um, so I don't think people should really feel like every person that provides the same services to you is a competitor. Yes, they're a competitor, you know, on paper, but they're also an opportunity to, you know, build and be better and improve. Um, I think that's how they should be. You should really look at, you know, your so-called competitors. And I think also keeping in touch with where you come from, you know, we're still, in the scheme of things, we're still quite a small business um, in comparison to where we want to be um, and still keeping in touch with your local community. Your local community is... Who's going to support you the most? Without them, you're you're really nothing at all. Now, I think those two factors together are, are, are vital to a success successful business. And I'll add um, there if we on that point of being still relatively small, like we've got five shareholders, which which just a part of um, myself as the CEO and just just our heads of department. We're all sort of. Um, like it's locally owned, we're, we're, we still don't see ourselves as a business, big business, and I don't think we ever should, and, yeah. and I don't think we ever will, because um, I, I think with health especially, the bigger it gets, uh, it, quality can, you know, lessen as a result. I think there there are lots of bigger businesses than us in health that are, you know, they, they're sort of prone to losing track of why they first did it at mm. the start. There's a lot of big companies buying out sort of smaller businesses, and health still should stay... Uh, very controlled, uh, sort of locally owned. I truly believe that it can it can get big, but I sort of think the the, the point that you're bought out by a mega company, you know, that's in that's in your sort of every state, it becomes very uh, middle manager orientated, um, disconnected. Disconnected is the word, and um, I think at the moment while we've got our heads of department, it's much more much more beneficial for us and like we've done with our heads of department who are practitioners, they're experienced practitioners, uh, to remain that way and not actually bring in managers of sorts that aren't practitioners because I think you can teach someone the basics of running a business and running a department that you can't sort of, you'll never be able to teach a manager like myself how to be a practitioner and talk that lingo. Mm. I think I think it's always got to be the other way. And I think that's where a couple of really, really big health companies have sort of lost their way a bit. And that's, that's fine. Like that's, you know, obviously there's a goal and, and strategic plan around those. But I think with us, that's our, that's our difference and we'll strive to, no matter sort of how we grow or where we grow to, I think we'll always keep that. Um, as long as it's in the current structure, I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so stepping back a bit um, from the business directly, um, what what trends do you both see, having been involved in different businesses, and um, you know Michael in a capacity advising a lot of businesses, um, especially what trends do you see in entrepreneurship in Australia? You know what's going well, and, and maybe what's not going well, or could be improved. There's probably two. One's come about in sort of the last five or so years, and one's probably a bit more recent. And, and we're an example of it, and that's collaboration. Um, I think we're an example of that, definitely. Uh, lots of businesses, and Jeff mentioned this with competitors, lots of businesses are starting to work together, even competitors. Um, 
yeah, again, we're an example of that. I see it in multiple industries where that collaborative approach, um, you see it in sort of hot desking facilities like fish burners and things like that, and they sort of come together, you know, the incubator types mm-hmm. working together. I think collaboration is a big one, definitely. Um, the other one, I think, is obviously the digital age, software, using technology. Obviously, you know, Google's a big platform um, in terms of what it can offer in its suite of services, people adopting software, um, both for you know, like different industries coming back to my, my old life, um, sales funnels, things like that. There's a whole lot of software that people are using um, ourselves. Everything's on the cloud, you know, it's just ease of use and being able to run a business from everywhere as long as you've got an internet connection. Um, I think that's that's definitely one. Digital in the last five years, that's where I meant with the five years because obviously social media has come about, you know, mm-hmm. sort of longer than, longer than the last sort of five years. So, yeah, that's, that's an area that people are countering. Um, I think we're, we're in both those areas, collaboration, as I said, and then digital. We put a lot of emphasis on our on our sort of social media present and digital game and, and the way we market ourselves and constantly sort of challenging our methods, which which I think is important. So, yeah, I'd say collaboration and, and online marketing, which extends to digital and software, yeah, they'd probably be the two biggest trends. Okay, and are there areas where you think maybe a lot of business owners are, uh, you know, lacking or, or could improve um, or opportunities maybe that, that other industries or in other countries people are capitalising on more that, that people here aren't adopting as effectively or as quickly? Um, I think there's probably two, two levels of that. You, you've got a basic level where... Oh, depending on the size of the business, like you've got your sole traders that sort of try to be the jack of all trades. You've got a business like ours that uh, has specialties, like Jeff's specialty, uh, his portfolio is marketing and education. You know, we've got another director that does business development, another one that's in financial, another one that's in processes and a couple of our other departments, like our footwear store and the lab, um, and myself that's sort of got to be as much across it as possible with, with all areas. The basics of like knowing your numbers obviously is so important or finding the right accountant or financial advisor that can help you with that. Um, yeah, like just, just little things there like marketing, obviously with that digital stuff I talked about, um, the emergence of, you know, remarketing, um, SEO, things like that, which you got to be really careful because there's a lot of cowboys out there in terms of people saying they can do SEO and, you know, they'll sort of either get you blacklisted or just do the basics for a lot of money. Um, so finding your finding, I think it's all in advice. It really is that that's sort of how I built my own, I guess my own career or brand, you know, I was part of that business network, which was not for profit. So it was great. So I think just knowing where to go to for advice has been so important. I've, I've brought it here. You know, we, we, we often look for advice. We, we admit I do every day. So does Jeff. Um, we admit we don't have all the answers. We have our own network of financial planners, solicitor, um, accountants, you know, accountant. I suppose you can only have one. Um, you know, that's important. People people wanting or having pride to, or, you know, lack of pride to sort of ask for help. Um, but, yeah, that that'd probably be all. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's general skills. It's as far as a person wants to go. Like, how many hours in a week can you work before you lose that sort of integrated life, you know, it's, I, I strongly believe in a few people that sort of going with the integrated life, not so much a work-life balance, like there's no such thing, you've just got to build work into your life and integrate mm. it, so, because um, if you want to do well, you've got to work hard, as we've said pretty a, a lot during this podcast, <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, I think it's I think it's that. It's trying to find that integrated life and finding the balance of asking the right people, having the right network of advisors to help you with the skills that you don't have. Yeah, and, and do you find now that as, as you're grown and you're proving the concept, do you get um, other maybe you know independent medical practitioners approaching you about joining or adding on their services or you know extending or opening new branches and things like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's funny that um, when you when you're so involved in something and you you commit so much to it and you're really dedicated to helping it improve and helping your team grow. It's funny, you lose track a little bit about um, what the wider industry is saying about you or thinking about you. So sometimes you always feel like you're not really making a dent in the, in the industry because that's, you know, deep down, I kind of felt what we did was to try to shake the industry a little bit and really provide something unique and different. You know, multiple places provide you know, a variety of disciplines, medical disciplines and allied health services in one place, but... They're not really true and genuine collaborative practitioners and collaborative teams. You know, they often contract out a room or rent out a room, and you've got five different people renting out a diff- renting out different rooms, but they're not working to- together as a team. So, I think not working so much in um, in the business, I kind of lost track about what people were thinking of us. Um, and I went to a conference recently, and. It's funny how many people would come up to you, people that I've only met once or twice come up to you and say, oh, how's One Point Health going? We've heard some great things. You guys are making some big changes. You've got an Alter G in there. How cool is that? You know, to me, that's that's somewhat indirect recognition, I guess, um, that we are, we are shaking the tree a little bit. We are doing things differently. We're trying to be unique. We're working hard at being unique and being different. So it's, um, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but... Um, yeah, it's important, I think. Hmm, yeah. And so you, you both, again, when you were younger, you weren't sort of sure what you wanted to do and then you tried a few different things and, and, and sort of found your way quite quickly but in an indirect way. So if you were giving advice to your sort of 18 or 20-year-old selves, um, looking back now with the benefit of hindsight, <laughs> what, what would you say to them? Um... Yeah, wow. It's probably your most powerful question, I think, because it's um, we're still. You know, it's probably still a valid question if you ask me when I'm forty. What I'd say to my thirty-two-year-old <laughs> self, I guess now, like it's always relevant because you should always still be learning. But I, I guess, um, yeah, being being that young, um, okay, let's, let's go in a in a broad sense. I I go with your gut feeling for sure. Always making an educated decision and have your people you go to advice and trust their advice. Um, but back yourself for that inner voice. Truly believe that. I'll, I'll keep believing that as long as I go. So um, I'd, um, I'd back yourself at risk. I'd like to think we've all taken risks at time, whether that be, oh, it could be anything. It could be personal, career, property, uh, investments, you know, that type of stuff. There's definitely been a lot of that for me um, where we've been run up to your neck in, you know, whatever. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's come off through through... Uh, this next point, which is probably my next point, is hard work pays off. Like, you absolutely need to work hard. There's, oh, I don't know, in my book, there's no nine to five. I'll tell anyone that wants to listen. Uh, hard work does pay off. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a testament to that, I guess, uh, or an example of that. Um, I think from a from a business point of view, um, 
people, yeah, okay, so there's two ways there. So when I was young, networking a lot, you know, valuing and maintaining your connections, um, networking, getting to know a lot of people that can help you, make you better. Mm-hmm. Um, but now on a similar line, but as a, as a, as a manager, um, your people are the most important. I know it's said by a lot of sort of famous identities, but they're dead right. Um, your people are, people say the patient is the most important or the customer or the client. Um, yeah, but the, 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 your people are the ones that the patients come in and see. You know, they're, they're the ones that are, you're, you're, they're completing the work, they're, they're helping them, they're getting them better in our sense, in our sort of version of work. Um, your people are the most important. You put the time into them, you, you, you have to create something that is valuable to them, whether whether it be work, it's money. There's a lot of motivators there. There's, there's development of a person, um, being with a team that they like and they enjoy coming to work. There's so many things to tick off that uh, is my job, I guess. That's 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 what I enjoy doing um, with, the, with the HR aspect. So I think your people are the most important and people should not make lose sight of that, whether that person works one day a week for you or many. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, they're probably the five. Yeah, you got people are the most important. Your hard work pays off. Backing yourself with risks. Go with your gut feeling um, whilst ensuring it's an educated decision, definitely. Um, and va- valuing and maintaining connection. So, you know, effective networking. Hmm. I'll throw one more in there, I guess. Yeah. I think just finding something you're passionate in. Oh, that's a bit of a cliche, but you need to, you need to be passionate. You need to believe in what you're doing no, that is that's the biggest one i can't believe i forgot that yeah, it's, <laughs> it's um it's really hard to keep yourself motivated and keep yourself driving to be better if you don't believe in what you're doing if you're not passionate about what you're doing i love helping people i love helping people get better we're lucky we yeah. help people we help it's better a, people's lives that's extremely rewarding um, it's a purpose yeah um and i think it's i think that's why both of us somewhat um you know, we change careers multiple times to try to find that um, little answer, I guess, of what we're passionate about. I guess we're, you know, not everyone's lucky enough to find that, but I think you really need to be passionate to be successful, um, you know, in your career. It's not as much work when you're getting that benefit. No. I find it's 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 a lot easier to justify when you've got, yeah, that purpose about your work. Like my, my previous role, I enjoyed because I was giving business advice, I was helping businesses. This now, it's, it's helping people, like a big team, we've, we've got some 60 more than 60 staff in our group um so that's helping a team but it's also uh yeah the patient results they're getting better they're improving the quality of their living which is um which is obviously uh, probably one of the most beneficial purposes yeah. you can you can have yeah and it seems like there's an interesting parallel or an obvious overlap there as well like you're literally in the health business in helping people sort of directly improve their health um, in the most sort of literal sense, but then again, amongst your, your patients as well as your team, you're improving their sort of mental health by having the right mindset, the right structure, environment, like I said, positivity, encouragement, work ethic. So there's sort of, a, it's a, almost a very holistic health, both in the direct services and also the, the culture and, and the way you lead it. Definitely. Um, uh, when I finished my uh, teaching degree, and got into podiatry, I somewhat felt like it was almost a waste of time because I just spent a whole bucket load of money on this degree that I've never really used. But now I find myself educating a lot, and I really enjoy the educational side. And educational reach development um, and personal development and building people as, you know, building the personalities, building the characteristics. So, 
yeah, I really, I self-value um, helping people to be better, better people. Not, I'm not talking about patients, I'm talking about our team members here. Mm. Um, really providing the opportunities for them to be better at what they do as a person, but also as a practitioner. Um, and I think that's really important as a business. You, you need to be... You need to be providing a good atmosphere and an environment for them to you know, develop as people and as clinicians. Um, whether it be from the smallest of things, like I don't know, taking half an hour off to read an article, to you know, running a an in conference. Um, yeah, I think it's really important, definitely. Yeah, and so looking forward to the future. So we've covered sort of how you got to where you are, and then what you're doing now. What does the next ten years look like? Yeah, or, or what's the vision and direction for One Point Health sort of a decade from now? Well, we're onto a, we feel like we're onto a good thing. Um, the, 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 you know, patients are getting better faster. Um, we seem to be, we seem to be getting, you know, really good results in that sense. Um, I, feel, I, I enjoy coming to work. I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO. I'm no different. I'm an employee of the business, and you know, it's an enjoyable place to come to work. It's, it's satisfying. So hopefully continue that growth like a couple of additional centers would would be outstanding we're, we're definitely looking at you know opportunities there um and you know in turn that'll that'll provide even more opportunities for our staff you know our, our employees our team um we want to build from within we, we love the fact that you know we probably haven't touched in our you know our sort of locally owned grown as we call them our cadet yeah. program which is you know we identify some great uni graduates and um they we sort of train them up in oh that's where Jeff came through Jeff mm-hmm. came through himself as our, the cadet program and um we identify graduates from uni that are studying in, in the disciplines we we have as services and um they come through they train they shadow our practitioners our podiatrists work in the lab like Jeff said with orthotics uh, they work on our front desk to you know you you sort of got I don't know it's a sporting analogy you know like a, a midfielder or, or feed a striker you want to sort of uh, the, you know, if the strikers are called the podiatrists and the midfielders are the are the admin, you want the strikers to know what it's like to be a midfielder. So you know, mm. you sort of know every role. So we make we have them work on the front desk, and they learn all about the business. They learn about the services. That helps has to help uh, internal referrals once they come out and graduate because they know all about what each other's do, each other do, does. Um, and yeah. Coming through, we've got a pretty good success rate. I think we've yeah. probably employed eight or nine of our new grads. We haven't missed one. Like we haven't not provided a job for a for a cadet coming through uh, over the last sort of five odd years. Yeah. So it's a fantastic thing to be able to bring through our own people. Uh, you know that we've we've sort of trained and grown, uh, which is fantastic. And I guess probably the other part, yeah, and, and my, the long winded answer there is providing those guys coming through with opportunities. You know, in other centres to to uh, you know sort of end up with. Uh, greater roles and you know and, and keep growing within our business and not externally and then probably the other one um being leaders in internal education which mm. which jeff's all over and with, with our support um i think that's going to result in us having the best people and uh and being a place or a brand that people want to work for and that is that means so much you know it's, mm. we're, we're real people at the end of the day there's there's none of this sort of big time Charlie stuff or people walking around too big for their boots. Everyone sort of gets their hands dirty as we, as we mentioned at the start. So yeah, being that place or brand that people want to work for would mean everything. I think that's when you're a success. Mm. So when you say expansion in a long enough horizon, does that mean becoming a, a national brand while still being deeply rooted in each sort of local community, but sort of with the, the vision to um, have, practices all across Australia? 
Yeah, hearing you say that, it, it's 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 challenging and it, it makes me nervous, but um, it's possible, absolutely. Um, yeah, not gonna, would never say no to to a statement or a question like that. Um, we'll, we'll obviously conquer, you know, not conquer, but try to focus on our immediate area where where we are. You know, we've got Ride and we've got Penrith. There's a there's a lot in between that, a lot of space in between. There's a lot of space just around that. So, um, we'll try and deal with that if we were to go you know sort of interstate immediately you get so stretched like i think we're better off just focusing on our own Mm. our own backyard because as jeff said sort of towards the beginning of this it's been really difficult like it's been hard work Mm. um making it all work so replicating it is a is a dream it's a goal of ours um it's definitely something we're working on but yeah probably sticking to within earshot for now and then um yeah who knows who knows you know we're not going to knock back opportunities so yeah bring it on i guess yeah, and just do you have any final sort of comments or thoughts? Maybe um, we've covered it sort of indirectly, but about, you know, maybe the healthcare industry and sort of in, in general, in broader terms, and any sort of thoughts or comments on yeah, how that's sort of yeah, heading? I think, I think coming through, I guess starting from, you know, the beginning as a practitioner is putting yourself out there. As a, as a practitioner, this is what I exactly do, putting yourself out there not being afraid to ask for help, not being afraid to ask for opportunities. Um, opportunities are only going to be there if you present yourself um, to the right people and, and speak to the right people. So I think that's one. Um, I think being genuine really, really helps. You know, in health in particular, people will be, people will either trust you. Or lose, you'll lose um, their trust within the first 30 seconds to a minute they meet you. Um, if you go to the waiting room, this is just, you know a, a quite a specific example. But if you go to the waiting room to, to call a patient out and you turn your back and walk away and you know meet them in the room, they're not going to have a great reaction. I think so. Attention to detail and being trustworthy and being genuine and caring, and that comes back to my point before about being passionate about what you do. I think that's. Um, from the nitty-gritty side of things, from day-to-day operations, I think those points are, are huge. From a um, overarching, I guess, a, a big-picture point of view is, again, we've, we've talked about this a few times now, is um, valuing people, valuing your relationships. Really, really recognise the relationships that are meaningful to you and um, putting effort in to maintain those because you never know you never know what that uh, relationship can provide, an opportunity they can provide. And for us, it ended up being, um, you know, I, I guess, like I said before, competitors coming together to make this quite a large, um, unique healthcare centre. So that's, a, I think, that's a perfect example. I think he's answered that great. I've got nothing to add. He's, he's, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, thank you, Michael, and thank you, Jeff, so much for coming on the show and, and sharing your stories. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Derek. It was really, really good. Thank you for listening. I would really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and leave a review. Better yet, tell a friend about it who you think may enjoy the content and get something useful out of it. Feedback, comments, likes or dislikes, you can reach me by emailing Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at futureofaustralia.com or you can call or text me on 0404 689 897. Thank you.